welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker, Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking, a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome to the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Wiley. I'm here today with my good friend, uh, Darren Freddy, in the actual Hacker Factory Studios. Uh, Darren's local, so we're actually recording in studio today. So I'm very happy to have Darren and I have known each other for a long time back in our CAD drafting days, back which go back to 1995. So you get, instead of this one old guy this time, you get two old guys. But uh, I'm really happy to have Darren. Darren and I worked together at a company doing CAD drafting, and then we kind of split ways and both got into IT and, and eventually security and our paths reconnected. So we've been uh, you know, really good friends for years, and it's an honor to have him join us today. Uh, welcome, Darren. Thanks. Thanks. What an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I feel old now. <laughs> so I'm 53. Let's just get that out of the bag. That way nobody has to try to guess at it since no video. <laughs> Yeah, but you look young for age. Well, thanks. So do you. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you tell our listeners about your background? Oh, sure. Uh, well, you've, you mentioned some of it, so I'll skip over that for brevity. But um, yeah, my background was un- is unusual like yours. Uh, prior to knowing you, Philip knows the story that I'll share with some of them is nothing was really normal for me, <laughs> I, you know, kind of growing up. And I don't think I'm unique. And I think that's why it's worth mentioning because it's not something people normally say. But I, I was a drug addict and kind of a loser beginning, and and I, and my journey kind of started for me personally in about '86, and then I met you later on, later on when I was trying to rebuild my life and stuff. And um, CAD was really uh, part of it was driven by a necessity. Um, traditional college, I was just wasn't cut out for in the beginning stages. Um, Of course, that changed over the years, but that's kind of how it started. So I started in computer aided design. But one thing I noticed about myself, uh, probably a lot like you, because you and I have a lot of conversations about this, is a lot of mine was self-taught. And it was driven by um, my main motivation a lot of times in that is that I noticed that I knew something people didn't, and that was really rare. I was so used to not, you know, not knowing a lot of things, you know, because of my background. And then I finally had found something where I knew something other people didn't and people who sought me out to understand things. And that was a huge, you know, motivation for me. But anyways, computer and design was the way I started as well. And that was kind of the beginning stages, really automations for a lot of things in computers. So uh, that was my original background. Yeah, we have a pretty similar entry point. So from uh, computer-aided design, where did you go? What was your first job at that? How did you get your foot into IT? Yeah, that's an interesting one. It started, um, like you said, with 
computer aided design. And I really held on to that for a long time. It was my bread and butter. It really took me out of, I wouldn't say poverty, but it did take me out of, um, you know, getting above the living check to check level to where I could at least have some fun. And um, so it was hard to let go. You know, I was transitioning into a different career, but I did see that I had a natural gift more in the technology side than I did. To be honest, I was a horrible structural detailer. You know, who knows, high school dropout, not math background, doing structural detail. But I, I wasn't dumb. I just, you know, kind of screwed up a lot. And so when I met you, I'd left Tristill, as you know. And um, I guess my first transition period was I was still kind of hanging on to the CAD deal and I was working independently out of necessity, not because I wanted to. And I had a customer and it was uh, MFS, which was a fiber company. And there was another company called TCG, Teleport Communications Group in downtown Dallas. And long story short is I was doing uh, fiber routes for them and things like that in a CAD way. And I was down there and somebody talked to me about this opening they had and they needed somebody who was technical like myself that kind of could do the CAD thing. And so they hired me. And that was the first job. And I just happened to get at the very opening stage of um, what they call the CLEC days. And for people who don't know what that is, it's, it's when telecommunication became more diversified from the regional bell companies. And I was right there in the beginning of it. And I worked there and I eventually, the way I always describe it is it's kind of visual for me. I, I would hold on to the CAD thing with one hand because it was my bread and butter afraid to let go. And then the IT thing. And I finally took a risk and just let go. I let go of CAD completely in that role. And that's how I got into IT. Yeah. So it, 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 it paid, you know, paid a lot. It, um, and it was like a kid in a candy store. It, it, you know, my beginning days was in a warehouse, not in technology at all. And that company kind of, they had a, now what I know to be today is a trash 80. Uh, and and they had some computers and fax machines because fax machines, believe it or not, were just coming on the scene, uh, you know, for small businesses and everything. And I just noticed I had a, a need for that. Some is like a driving need to really want to know a thirst for knowledge. And so it, that took me into the communication job I just told you. And that was like a kid in a candy store. I had, I had all, and they empowered me. These people empowered me, and there was a, they didn't know a lot in tele, even in telecommunication. And I had this huge network and these money, you know, and Cisco routers, and you know, and 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 old technology, new technology, and things like that. So I was very motivated to want to learn, and a lot of it was self-taught. I, I didn't even have a certs back then. I didn't have a degree. You know, I was really working from a deficit. Well, that's, that's a great story. And, and that's one of the things I like to have these different stories is not everyone gets in with a degree. When I got into IT, I didn't have a degree either and eventually got one later on. But you see a lot of people who don't have them. So if you want a degree, get it. I encourage you if that's something you want to do, but you don't necessarily have to have it. And so that's a good story that you're you're sharing. So when you got started into security, how did that come about? Yeah, I, I uh, same situation, just if I use that same visual, you know, holding on to two vines, IT paid, you know, changed my life, you know, and I rode the whole dot com, you know, first browser wars, you know, all that kind of stuff. Even really some of the 
not to date myself, but even some of the ev- evolutions of um, browsers and internet in general and CompuServe and, you know, all those things. And um, at the end of it, I'd, I'd ridden that um, wave, so to speak, for a long time. And I was still holding on to it, you know, afraid to let go. But I saw that uh, things were getting kind of commoditized with salaries and stuff and, you know, and fixed cost. And I was the CIO at that time working at a transportation company. So I, I'd already, you know, I'd been exposed to security and I had a lot of the attributes that you need that are really the important thing out. If you don't mind, I'll highlight yeah. a couple of those things because sure. it is for, this is for people trying to get into security. And I think, I think a lot of times we talk about our histories, but we don't talk about the methods. And one of the methods I had learned that I think is really relevant is that I had learned how to be, to teach myself. And at that time, um, you couldn't really Google a lot of things. I know that sounds yeah. silly, but uh, there was other different dominant browsers, Alta Vista and stuff like that. And uh, even Microsoft, if you didn't pay a subscription, you didn't get the knowledge. Yeah. So a lot of the self-taught was centered around me trying things, not necessarily, I wouldn't call it hacking, but I was trying different things and using mach- behavioral things to kind of go, oh, wow, that's how that works. And I, I would do a lot of that. So I had that when I was at Andrews, you know, and I was a CIO at a small company. It's really an overglorified title, but I was there, but I was, I, I was just real unhappy. And the whole time throughout that whole course, for me personally, I had a thirst for knowledge. So I was always trying to deal with my past, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, um, I was going to school, even though I was successful and um, I got real interested in security as a formal practice, and I didn't know how I was going to transition, but I knew how to do it. And that goes back to some of the skill sets is I knew because of being in dot com and stuff, networking was a big part of it. I knew that. And so I kind of looked through my people I knew, and that's kind of where you came into play. Yeah. Um, it was it, some of it was selfish, selfishly motivated what you could do for me, but some of it was natural. We already had a relationship, you know, and it was networking. Exactly. And it was easy for me. And and I trusted you and I knew you had my best interests in mind. So I would say, if you don't have that, you know, if you're trying to get into cybersecurity, you're really doing yourself a disadvantage, you know, find somebody. So a lot of people like Phil, even Phil himself, even me now, you know, and that are willing to help you because we we pay it forward. So I met you as real a deal, and I was trying to figure out how to transition. And I'll stop right there and let you do it. But that's how it worked. Yeah. You asked me how I got in. I guess the primary principle that really drove me is when I started my master's degree program, you know, at the, at that time and things like that in cybersecurity, not because I knew it was going to get me in. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, again, wanting to repair my history and things like that. And also I wanted to take something I was, you know, that would add value to me because I knew a lot of the technology side, but I'd started in my current role and I call it, and it's, I borrowed it from other philosophies, but act as if, become if this, become as if. So even though I wasn't in the row, I started pretending I was in the row. I started thinking that way and trying to think security and realize that I already had a lot of it you know, a lot of the attributes are already there. So when I started talking to you, it allowed me to be honest and learn from you because you were ahead of me. You'd already 
pioneered the path and you'd been in and stuff. And uh, you were a key component in that. I, I worked, I think, two jobs before I actually got in um, Southwest Airlines. I did the uh, city of Dallas's network, you know, for um, Lovefield modernization project. You know, I was involved with a lot of security things there, but it wasn't really my primary role. So that's kind of how I did it. I transitioned my way in that way. Um, and a lot of it's just really kind of understanding, you know, getting acclimated to the dialogue and stuff and, and kind of understanding things. You know, one of the things there too, for, you know, since I know Darren and people don't know his background, but we worked together for a while at a large U.S. bank because Darren had been talking about, I'd seen some of the things he was doing in his day job, you know, doing more blue team stuff. And the way you were assessing security, I saw how that IT sysadmin network administrator background, you know, would make you a good pen tester. Just seeing the way you were doing the stuff, I thought you'd be a good fit because I told Darren at one time, I said, if you could get your OSCP, I could probably get you in where I'm at. And then one of the guys that was on the team with us came from like an IT background and he was one of, he was a good pen tester. And I thought, you know, you know, Darren would be a great fit for this. And so that's where I saw that talent. You know, I pride myself on having a talent for finding people that have the skills to be pen testers. And, and Darren was one of those and he come in and he's really done a great job, keeps advancing. So one of the things to share with people out there, this is where if you have that IT background, that's where it's helpful. And one of the things I've kind of learned from you, and I share this with a lot of people, is Darren reads the manuals. So if he's doing a pen test and he finds something he hasn't worked with, he'll go through and read the manuals and figure it out. While a lot of pen testers will go in there and just try to find an exploit and hack into it, Darren reads the manuals and figures out in depth and thoroughly assesses the security. Can you kind of explain that to us a little bit? Yeah, I, um, that's a great one. Um, yeah, I... I I kind of am calculated about what I do. I, and sometimes I don't know what it is for myself. I know characteristics about it. Um, and that even goes to breaking into things, you know, pen testing. So I kind of, I, sometimes I had to uncover things, you know, for myself. And that's just part of the learning process for me. I, I had to, you know, I had to understand it. And I, when I was trying to get into security, my first official role I got into was the county and and then I met Aaron, a, a real good friend of mine then. And, um, you know, of course, I went to several roles and I accelerated very fast through the blue team roles because of my background. But when it comes to pen testing, um, I, I try to get into the mindset of whatever I'm I, first of all, I'll try to think about, you know, what is what would be the goal, you know, if you were an attacker? And then and then I think about it from a blue team perspective, you know, what are their most covenant things you're trying to block? And then I start thinking about um, the people involved in the software. And I look at things and if I'm not familiar with the software, then yeah, I pull down the manual and read it. I may not read the whole thing, but enough to get a flavor of what's going on. That And I usually always try to build context with something I know. Sometimes it's accurate, you know, but even even building context with something that is not directly related is very valuable because it's a good way to remember things because you're kind of anchored to something, you know. And so I'll do that. And I've found some really strange things doing that. Like um, I'll give you if I give you one example, because Phil and I share talk back all the time about techniques and things and just weird stuff. And. Uh, one of the ones I like to bring up is kind of this um, 
app, you know, is creating these clear text passwords that in, or in these weird files that probably very few people knew about. Matter of fact, if you Google it, and I did, um, I'm trying to remember what they are called, but I'm going to skip over it because it's not really relevant. But if you Googled it, you'd get two different definitions. But because I had read that, I, look, I, had, I wanted a tool that would look inside the file because I was curious. And I ended up finding, um, I wouldn't say it was a vulnerability that I found because the vendor, I later on found the vendor had recommended an upgrade and they had it kind of as a blurb. They didn't even have it as a vulnerability, but exactly what it was doing is dumping authenticated clear, clear text passwords in there. Wow. And that's actually how I got in is because of that one little effort. So yeah, it's always paid off for me. I've always done that. And I know people say, well, you don't have the time. I think you do. I think you could build it in. You know, sometimes it 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 requires me to spend extra time that I don't get paid for. But I take that knowledge with me everywhere I go. I've always been that way. I don't think there's any harm with that. It it benefits me down the road. So with uh, all the things you have to learn as a pen tester, how do you keep up with that? Because you can't memorize everything. So how do you how do you maintain? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I, it makes me laugh. I'm you can't see it right now, but I'm I'm smiling and laughing because as I get older too, uh, my memory's not as sharp. And I know that sounds like I'm talking like I'm an old man, but it does. It it I think as your mind gets gets more cluttered with information, you know, it's like hard drive. You run out of room. Uh, I have a lot of resources, uh, and again, it goes back to learning how to learn. You know, I, I'm auto. If you notice, I talk a lot, so. I actually have conversations with myself driving in the car and I'll rehearse dialogue because that's how I record things in my mind. But I also write things down and I don't write everything down, but I keep pretty good notes. And, and even in the beginning stage, I ask, actually ask you what you use, you know, and I didn't want to hear all the stuff that you read, you know, Pinterest. I wanted to hear how do you solve those problems, you know, and like you're asking me. And so I write a lot of stuff down. And a lot of things I'll anchor the things I already know. And, you know, that, and sometimes they're not necessarily technical. It'll just be, um, and, and I don't keep up. Like if you were asked me on an interview right now, what is the speed you would use for your in-map scan? <laughs> I'd say, I don't know, you know, I'll Google it. Let me, I mean, that one I do know, yeah. but I'm being facetious, but you get the idea. I, I don't memorize everything. Yeah. The little switches, I guess half the battle for me, I would say my best advice I could give to somebody is understand it goes back to reading the manual, understand the framework, kind of a top down approach, understand, you know, what the app's trying to solve or what it is trying to solve. And then once you kind of got that filled in, then you know what to look for. You, you obviously, you know, that app does uh, is, you know, does a certain function, so then you kind of know what you're looking for and it's, it's a big time saver. That's great. And you know, one of the things too, uh, you know, and one of the things I share with people is mentoring. If you can get a mentor, you can learn quicker. And so I've been mentoring Darren over the years, but I just hadn't spoon fed Darren. So I would give him leads and let him figure out for himself. And he's figured out a lot. I mean, I've learned a lot from Darren as well because he's got into doing a lot of cloud pen testing you know, over the past year or so, learn a lot from there. So the mentoring, you know, can really help people get up to speed quicker. Yeah, that's a good point. I was thinking about that on my ride over here because I was, you know, my focus was 
you know, what, what can I share with my experience? You know, my strength, what, what hopes could I give people? And, you, you know, because I'm real interested in doing that because you freely did it for me, Dallas Hacker Association, um, you know, a lot of the local communities, Pwn School, you know, the one you started, uh, you know, a lot of those people, there's people freely gave to me. So, and it fits right into my philosophy anyway. So it, it, but the one thing people fail to realize, I, I think the mentoree gets something out of it, but I think the mentor gets more out of it. Yeah, I think I agree. sharing with another human being makes it locks it in my memory. You know, when you teach somebody, because I mentor people today, and that's one of my primary motivations. Uh, I, you know, I'll be teaching um, Dallas College coming up here pretty soon, a pen testing course, um, which is something you pioneered the way for. Um, so a lot of those, but the relationship becomes more symbiotic, you know, it's a give and take. And, uh, at the beginning stages, you may be the taker, but after a while it becomes, it becomes bi-directional. And I even have friends that I do that today. I've got a pen test I'm doing right now. Uh, I'll end up mentoring the guy, but I wouldn't, even the guy know, even though he's never pen test, I would not say I'm up here and he's down here he's a smart guy. He's a, he's a free thinker. I usually gravitate to people like that, that allow you room to think and are not offended for you using your own brain. Yeah. Those are good points. And as you network with people, mentor people, you're building up more resources that you can learn from. It's almost like you've got, you know, other people doing searches for you because they find cool, cool tools and share those with you. Just like we've got a good friend, Mark Moe, that is always doing research on tools and, so we find out a lot of information from him and Darren and him share a lot. And, you know, I get the benefit of seeing the research they do. So having those connections, mentoring people, the network all pays off. Yeah, I, I kind of say leave no good I did behind. You know, it's like putting a cake in the oven. You know, you, you can sample it before it comes out. But you want to before you cut bait and throw it in the trash and say it's no good, you know, you always want to work those ideas. I guess that comes a lot from my IT background um, because you'd be really surprised. Like I'll give you an, another example of that is, and it really goes back to what a pen tester really is, is thinking outside the box or taking software and use it, abusing it for something it isn't. That would be more of a live off the land type technique and stuff, which I happen to love. <laughs> I like stuff like that. Um and um, I had this problem I was trying to solve. And I think I rattled, I think I probably t like killed you for like, <laughs> you know, 10 days every time we got around, just constantly asking you how to solve this problem. And I wanted something that looked inside the files, you know, not just found the files for me, but looked inside of them. And, and I know the, the people listening probably are wanting to yell off a ton of tools right now. <clears throat> But I was Googling and I, I just couldn't find one that fit the bill. And, I, and I'm not going to mention a tool today because of the branding issue, but it, I use an unorthodox tool for that. And it, it, and it works for me. And I think I would say if you're new, I think everybody has something to offer. You know, I mean, if I had said that in a group of elite people, you know, they may have kind of most of them would say it's unusual but then when they see the results, what it came around. And that's what's really good is, is no matter where you're coming from, you got to realize that you have value. You don't, 
your mind is, you know, having that mindset is helpful and not being afraid to question conventional wisdom. Hell, that's what the vulnerabilities are all about in the first place, right? Yeah. Microsoft puts out a product and people question the marketing or another vendor questioning the marketing of the security of that product and they're willing to challenge it. And it's the same thing. And that's when I'll give you a compliment back the other way uh, because it's good to listen to, but it's also the truth is that that's what makes you such a great mentor is you're not easily offended by that. You're, you're not challenged. That challenge coming back the other way doesn't, doesn't, doesn't intimidate you at all. You allow it because you know your value. And I think it, I think it has, I know this sounds philosophical, but I think it has a lot to do with what we talked about. It, because we're self-taught, we both were in that struggle to want to try to be somebody, whatever the hell that means, yeah. but to get out of our area, you know, that drove us. Yeah. And we built up this level of confidence in ourselves. I still get imposter syndrome. I know, I know you yeah. do too as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just uh, interesting too, to think back because, you know, here in some of your discussion, you know, people really know that you have to be really an analytical thinker to be a pen tester or a hacker, or whatever type of offensive security and a lot of roles in IT and security require some creativity, but don't you agree that having a creative mind is helpful? Oh, oh, oh most certainly. Yeah. I, and, and, I mean, there's a way to challenge conventional wisdom without being offensive. And I'll give you an example. I was, as Philip said, it kind of, I've left some of this out. So, but to keep us all moving forward, I'll just work it into a conversation. When I, I work at a bank, Philip knows that, and that was my first pen testing job. And keep in mind, I'm coming in new. You know, I have a lot of experience in technology, but never been a pen tester, right? And, you know, coming in an interview with 12 people on the phone, you know, it's a little intimidating. And during the interview process or during the shadowing, they call it shadowing of a pen test, I felt confident that I was correct about a certain vulnerability with an app, but I, I had to do it in a way that, you know, I had to kind of dance around the personality of the person I was with. So the way I handled it is I said, well, can we agree to disagree? And will you allow me at the, when it's an appropriate time for me to convince you that I'm correct? And, and he said, sure. And I ended up doing that. I ended up convincing him I was correct. I think he ended up exploiting it. it it's now something that we exploit today um, that, that they're constantly fixing. So, but had I been so, you know, intimidated by and not used my free thinking and my creativity, um, you know, I never, I would have just kept my mouth shut. So, I, but I think there's a way to do it. And um and I think that's important. I think it's important for people to know that, you know, because there is a time to shut up and listen, but there is a time to use active thinking. Yeah, that's a good point. Another thing, although you're not like new to the industry, but just to show people that you know, no matter what level of your career, you can offer something that not everyone knows everything. And it was good that you you know, let them know what you found. I mean, otherwise, if this thing, if you would have just ignored that and went on, this thing would have remained vulnerable in your environment. And, you know, we mentioned that creative thinking is helpful. Analytical thinking is helpful. So in that same spirit, uh, what are your recommendations for someone that wants to become a fintester? Well, I, mine are a little esoteric, you know. Some of the things I've said, like, think as if, become a fist. 
I'd say, you know, sit down and uh, pretend you already are. Start where you're at. Um, you don't have to be in the role to be a security person. It's really a mindset. Um, you know, start with your own stuff. You know, are you using the same password on every side? You know, it's kind of it's kind of hypocritical to talk about and you're not doing it, you know. And I constantly do that to myself, even on my pen test, you know, because the hunter can become the hunted, you know, and I don't want to be the the cause of a company because I do pen tests on the side as well. And I don't want to be responsible for that, you know. So you can start where you're at, you know, with and and I understand people were saying, you know, some people that maybe are new, especially if you're transitioning, say, from a retail market with no experience at all. You got to keep in mind, that's where I came from. You know, it's the same principle. The principles are one and the same. That that ability to absorb information. And I, one thing, I'll tell you one thing, and it's right along your question line. A guy told me this a long time ago when I was just basically trying to tell time, learn how to read better. I mean, that sounds silly, but that's where I came from. And and I was a grown adult. Um, he said, whenever I got around somebody that had knowledge that he said, guy, you're definitely behind. No doubt. And he said, whenever you get around anybody that has anybody in a bit of knowledge, he said, you absorb them like a sponge. And I've always remembered that. And so, you know, I do that. I listen I'm active talker. You know, I repeat back what they said to me. So I think dialogue, learning about yourself helps and, um, and not being afraid to take risk. Remember I said, I hold on to one vine and let go on the other. It's all about risk. Hell, security is about risk, right? It's about yeah. taking risk and what are acceptable risks. And the world of security is massive and it's worth the risk. It's worth taking a risk. Don't be afraid to fail. I've failed many times. I can tell you how many times I get off the phone and go on my first few interviews trying to get in, even knowing things and going, my God, you know, that was terrible. You, yeah. you know, so you, you just, you just got to not worry about it because people like yourself, the companies you want to work for are the companies that won't judge you too harshly for that. They'll admire the fact that you're, you're trying, you know, because it's, it's constant learning. I mean, I think I come to you sometimes and not to put you on the fence, but I come to you with technical things and I'll say, maybe you ever heard that before. And, and it's not that you forgot it, but yeah. you, you'll go, actually, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what I mean by that is that it's, it's a sim it's, we're all learning, mm -hmm. you know, some of us are a little further down the road. Uh, so even if you're beginning re-examining new things, even topics that you think that, Oh God, you know, I've never talked to anybody about that. Everybody's heard that. That's not true. You know, there are different attributes. Some of us forget. It's good to hear it again as a refresher. So that's what I would advise you is don't be intimidated by it. Absorb as much as you can. Um, you know, start with the basics. I would say I'm like you, Phil. I agree 100%. I think you need to have some basic understanding of networking if you're going to do pen testing. I think you definitely need to have a good idea of security. Great advice. So we're getting down towards the end of the show. And if there's anything that we missed, is there anything you'd like to, to share with the audience or any shout outs or anything like that you'd like to get? You know what I think I'll do is um, announce my name again, because for the sake of Ruby, I'm Darren Freddie. 
Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not a pen tester that hides my identity. Not because I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just, I don't mind if you contact me, uh, if you reach out to me. My contact's there for a reason. I'm uh, all about giving back. Um, I have nothing to gain from it other than what you give me is allowing me to share with you. So I would say that. Yeah, Darren's uh, contact information will be in the show notes. So if you want to reach out to Darren and ask him questions. And one of the things I advise people is no matter how big or famous or whatever you think some people may be or intimidating, reach out to them. You'd be surprised at, at how people are willing to help you. So uh, thanks, Darren, for joining us. It was an honor having you on the show. No, it's a bit, it's my pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.